Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. The 2020 National Day of Prayer Observance is taking on added significance because of the pandemic and ongoing prayer is more important than ever. Here to talk about that with us is Dan Haas, the pastor of the Aurora Community Church and the leader of the Future and a Hope Foundation. We're speaking here in Aurora, Illinois. Dan, the nation has had legal abortion since 1973. In fact, Illinois has perhaps now the most extreme pro-abortion law in our nation. We've embraced all things LGBT, and one would think that perhaps God is saying something to us during this pandemic. Absolutely, and I think God is trying to get our attention in all of this coronavirus situation, that we live in an uncertain world, but also that we have major problems that need addressing and need correcting. And so often we're caught up in our, the busyness of our day and the schedule of our day. We may think, sure, abortion is an issue, but it doesn't affect me. And I, so I don't think about it all the time, or I don't think about the homeless, or I don't think about those who are not working, or I don't think about those who are in a nursing home and elderly and uh, are ill. But right now we've got a self-imposed period of time where we can't leave our homes and we're forced to stop and think about the realities of life. And I think that's a healthy thing. I think that's a good thing. I think God could use that. In fact, in the 23rd Psalm, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Why? To restore my soul. And God wants to speak to us about the things that are happening in our world today, get our attention, and help us to, to restore our souls, to come back into right relationship with God, to uh, acknowledge Him as the Sovereign Lord, and to understand that we've got to live differently as His people and not be like the rest of the world, not thinking about those who are in need, not thinking about those who are oppressed, not thinking about abortion, but God, what is it that you're trying to speak to us and get our attention on? So rather than viewing this quarantine period as a negative, I think the church ought to be preparing itself for what happens, not today, but, but months from now when we're not in quarantine and this virus is passed and it will be passed. How does that change us in the way we do ministry? How does it change us in the way we're thinking about those who are hurting, oppressed, sick, getting abortions? What can we do about that? And what are we going to do about that? The church needs to become much more of the church. In the New Testament, there are 23 phrases that talk about one another's. Honor one another, wait for one another, submit to one another, serve one another, love one another. We as the church in America today, I believe, have lost our concept of fellowship, 
of loving our neighbor as ourself, of reaching out uh, at our workplace and being involved in our, our workmates' lives. We're too building-centric. We've got to get more neighborhood-centric. How do we reach our families? How do we reach our neighbors? Uh, how do we really make an impact with individuals that count? Dan, in response to the pandemic, the governor is essentially shutting down in-church worship. We can have uh, maybe 10 people in a church service presently and way down the road, if things work out right, only 50. What's your reaction to that? Well, as I read Acts chapter 3, it says they went from house to house meeting and taking bread and they were exploding in numbers. I really can't get myself tied up with our government because our government is completely broken, in my opinion, in the state of Illinois. So I've got to do what God commands me to do, and that is to love my neighbor as myself, to fulfill the Great Commission was to go and make disciples. Now, I don't need a building to do that. And that's how we've got to start thinking, I believe, in a much more decentralized leadership, in a much more decentralized church. Yes, we always will need a place maybe to gather on Sunday, but I think the ministry is going to have to take place in much smaller groups if we're going to make really effective disciples for Christ. But the governor, is allowing abortion centers to remain open, pot shops can have uh, curbside pickup, uh, Target's open, Costco's open, but churches are pretty much shut down. Well, he's mistaken, but he's not even letting small businesses open. I mean, but he can't prevent from continuing to meet. Now, I realize we, we're not allowed to meet in large groups right now, but I guess that's my my focus. I was speaking to one of our local government officials about this very issue today that we've got to get change the these phase requirements on the number of people that can gather together for a church. I mean 10 is impossible and 50 is not workable either. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. We need to be speaking out. We need to be working against that kind of thing and I I think that will happen. I don't think people will will put up with that past the month of May, to be quite honest. But even if he doesn't change his mind, we still need to be doing what we need to be doing. Because I think, I, I really believe, we've got to make a shift away from just only church takes place in a building. And that's, that's not healthy for us as a people, I believe. Do pastors have biblical grounds to defy the governor's orders that pertain to the opening of churches? Yeah, I think that you have to look at the situation, whether it's opening churches or opening businesses. Every county is not the same. The statistics are way different in many of these counties. I mean, there's, there's counties directly west from here that have only had one or two deaths in the whole county. Um, they shouldn't be on the same restrictions, in my opinion, that the city of Chicago is. I don't even think Aurora is. Our, our numbers are, are not comparable either. So I, I don't think you can 
make the same requirements for the entire state. Chicago may need to be on lockdown for a variety of reasons, but, and I think we have to find really what is me being respectful about the health of other people versus what's really healthy for our community. And it's very unhealthy to keep people in communities where there has not been as, as serious of an outbreak from working. I mean, you're going to destroy people's lives. Um, for the church from meeting, the, the cure can't be worse than the disease was. You would have to think that the governor's church-related orders are really going to hurt people spiritually. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, whether it's going back to work, I mean, people got to pay their rent, they got to pay their mortgage, they got to they got to eat. The government doesn't have enough money to give them stimulus, and people also need spiritual food. They need fellowship, they need relationship. It's not healthy emotionally and mentally to be isolated for months at a time and not be able to leave. And we also have to think about the financial well-being of churches who not only have to pay their pastors and staff, but they contribute to the community. Yeah, I mean, our um, the major food pantry in Aurora ran out of food here recently, and Calvary Church worked with um, the Assembly of God Convoy of Hope and brought in truckloads of food so that food pantry can stay open. I mean, churches contribute to the community, not just by meeting on Sundays. They are funding ministries, desperately needed Wayside Cross here. We still have homeless people. We still have people that need ministry. Other ministries here in town, whether it be food banks or physical sheltering, I mean, we, we need people to uh, be counseling people, working with them on a daily basis. Pastors have been filing lawsuits against the governor. In fact, a class action lawsuit is waiting in the wings. Do you support that? Yeah, I think we're to a point that, again, I don't think the same restrictions should apply to every region of the state. I think there are much different health numbers. And I think for many counties, many municipalities, they can, they can recover much faster than other places can, just because of the extent of the problem, yes. And so I, I would be supportive of it in that sense. Now, down the road, there's at least talk and maybe some other states that churches would have to provide information to the state about their parishioners who attend services so that they could track the potential spread of the coronavirus. That seems a little ominous to me. What do you think? Yes, and I don't think, frankly, you know, whether it's tracking someone with a vaccine or, or uh, whatever. I, when this crisis started, we didn't know anything about it. And there were all sorts of predictions about what was gonna happen, about deaths and so on. As we're learning more about it, we're learning that some of those things were not true. And I think that some of the things being promoted right now are also based on not complete information and inaccurate information and things that would be unnecessary 
yeah, I don't, I don't see that we ought to be tracking our citizens unnecessarily. Let's put it that way. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. We'll continue our conversation with Dan Haas after this. People are talking a lot about health care these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? Well, at Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Lana's story in her own words. I love getting the monthly share that I give to each month that has a name of a real person and their real medical concerns and a prayer request, you know, for them. That I get to interact with people from all over the country, just like me, and get to pray for them and know that they're praying for me when I have a need. It's great. I love it. Lana is just one of over 200,000 members who are sharing over $23 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, joined by Dan Haas, the pastor of the Aurora Community Church and the leader of the Future and a Hope Foundation. We're speaking here in Aurora, part of a national day of prayer observance, and of course, with the pandemic going on, lots to talk about. There are a number of pastors around the country who are suggesting that the pandemic is yet another sign of the end times. What do you think? I personally don't believe this virus was something that God sent. I believe this was something that, that some men came up with to, to do evil. But I do feel that what is happening and what this does show us is how quickly things can change in our world. And I do believe that we're going to see more of these things happen, more physical, natural disasters. I don't know if we're in a time where the earth begins to convulse and, and quicker and quicker. I don't know if we're in, a, in the prelude to a seven-year tribulation period. I don't know. But I do believe that there will be things that happen in our nation and around the world that are going to cause people to be in great fear, to, to have genuine loss, to be in very, very difficult times. We have things so good in this nation. We're not used to living in difficulty. We're not used to living in, in, in problems. Everything comes very easily for us and is supplied to us, but that may not always be the case. I mean, I, I just saw that our government is investing a lot of money all of a sudden in our electrical grid, and that has been something that's been looked at for years as a potential weak spot in our nation. I mean, what would happen if people lost electricity all of a sudden? I mean, that could be very, very, I mean, not just for a short period of time, but for years. I mean, that would be, that would be totally destructive to us. So, so I think there are changes coming, both natural disasters, man-made things, that are going to bring changes and we need to be thinking now about how we prepare ourselves. I saw an interesting article even by the head of FEMA, former head of FEMA, 
saying that people are not prepared for emergencies in their life. We don't have little gardens anymore. We don't grow gardens and have food. We don't uh, have several months of an emergency fund. We don't, you know, so we're just not ready for major things that can change our life. We're not met ready emotionally or, or mentally or spiritually, I don't think, for that. Does the pandemic tip us to revival and perhaps another great awakening in America? Well, I believe that that was coming before the pandemic. I think that, that at least for this community, we have been building for that for the last 15 years. We have had extremely powerful prayer times as a community, not just individuals. We have had uh, churches cooperating and working together. We have been talking about revival. But I believe God is going to bring a, a third great awakening to America. And I believe that we are entering that time period. Um, this could certainly help because it will cause people to think about the future and to think about how rapidly things can change and to think about unexpected death. But that happened after 9-11 only for a month or two that people were, were shook. So I think we need to be speaking to people. Again, I, I spoke this morning to a man who had COVID-19, who is a relatively young man and, and had it very seriously. And it shook him about how quickly he could lose his life. And I think we need to be speaking to people about those types of issues and make those at the forefront. This could be a great time to share the gospel. Absolutely. This, <laughs> yes. Because the gospel isn't just about being blessed. Solomon, in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, says that the day of a man's death is better than the day of your birth. Now, how can that possibly be? If, but if we're not ready for the day of our death, it's, it's, it's far worse than us. But this life, what Solomon's saying is, this life is temporary. The life after death, that's eternal. And we are all focused here on the temporary. I don't care how old you're going to get to live, even if you live to be 100, that's temporary. You're going to die. The next life is forever. But we spend very little time thinking about the next life. We are so locked into this life that's temporary. Someday, and as, as I age and as I'm now, you know, 68 and I'm within close uh, range of 70, you know, you, you start to think, I mean, my clothes, my car, my house, my bank account, retirement. Someday, that's all going to belong to somebody else. It won't be mine. I can't take any of that with me. But much of our life is geared towards obtaining those things. And we're very temporarily locked in, in, in this world. And we've got to start thinking about much larger things that really matter in life. There are pastors who are suggesting that there may be something sinister about the governor's orders, the shutdown orders that pertain to churches. And perhaps his overall plan is to drag the shutdown out so that he can get a federal taxpayer bailout of the state to take care of pensions and what have you and hurt the president's uh, re-election bid. Or 
is the governor acting out of fear, forgetting that there is an all-powerful God and that our God is in control? I don't think the governor is has sinister motives. I think his thinking reflects many people where God is not important in, in his life. For many people today, God is not an afterthought. God is not a thought, and that's the fault of the church. So he's not looking at our state from a spiritual perspective. I don't know what one he would have. I don't know what his spiritual values are, but I just don't think he's thinking about how does this impact the church. Not, not because he doesn't like us. I just think he's not thinking about that. So, and there's a lot of people like that. Now, there's a phrase that some things don't matter until they matter, you know. doesn't matter today if I have health insurance. But if I get sick, it matters that day. doesn't matter if I have homeowner's insurance. But if I have my house burns down, then it matters. And that's how many people are with their spiritual life. doesn't matter today because I'm not sick, nothing's wrong with me, everything's good. But... When they get ill or they die, then it matters. And it's too late to matter then. It has to matter now. So that, that would be the only thing I would, I would say is that it may not be on the governor's radar screen, but I believe it, it needs to be, it should be, um, how churches are being impacted and what their significance and importance is to the community and why they should be allowed to gather. I think that's important. And... I think there are ways that can be done and still keep people safe and healthy. Dan, before we wrap things up here, tell us about your church and your ministry. God put on our heart to replant a church, not because I didn't think other churches in town were doing a good job, but because I am expecting a revival in our city. Not a small one, but a big one. And what are we going to do with thousands of people. We have to have some kind of strategy of ministering to those people if they get saved. I mean, when George Whitfield came into a community, you'd have 70 and 80% of a people, the population being converted, John Wesley. So we need more churches, not less. And my goal is to obviously reach the lost and to share the gospel with people, but also how do we make fully developed followers of Jesus. And that is my biggest concern, is that the church today is not developing people to be followers of Jesus. The name of the church is Aurora Community Church, and the foundation was the Future and Hope Foundation. Thank you so much, Dan, and thank you folks for tuning in. Please tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Remember to support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax deductible. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.